Welcome all to another edition of the Memory Machine Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Lockhart, and I welcome you to this historical, anecdotal, pop cultural podcast. And today, we're going to be talking about uh, something nice and comfortable, nice and snuggly. But before we do that, I want to introduce to you the other people who are talking with me. Who's, um, what's your face over there? Who do we got? Kate Lockhart. Kate Lockhart, hello. Hi. Pleasure. Yes, thanks to meet for you, having to see me. You. Yes. I'm glad we're not in the cabin this time. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. We're back in the game room. We're surrounded by uh, musty, stuffy old things. Uh... And who do I have here to my right? Andrew Ulysses Parks. Really? Is that really your middle name? No. Oh. It I should wish. be. Yes. It needs to be. Andrew Please John. Please name your next child, Andrew <laughs> Ulysses, <laughs> Ulysses Parks. Oh. Aaron, you're listening to this. Name your next child. It's already been decided. <laughs> it's already also, been decided. <laughs> if this is how you trick me into having a third child, it's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure? I think, I think I could do it just by that alone. Ulysses. His name will be Ulysses. Mm. So before we get into the topic of today, let's discuss what happened this week in geeky history, the week in geek, if you will. Uh, Today will be February 27th, 2019, to put a fine date on it. Katie? (laughs) Yes? Will you tell us what happened on this date in history? In 1902, Gene Sarazen was born. And who the heck was that? He was a golfer, a pretty famous one back in the day, and he invented the modern sand wedge. And Uh, that is a fact that I just knew off the top of my head. I didn't know when his birthday was. I looked it up, but I did know that he invented the sand wedge. I mean, I guess, like, you know, of all the sports, golf is probably one of the nerdiest, the geekiest, I guess. Probably. (laughs) That and... uh, to a certain degree, baseball. Baseball's very nerdy. It's got a lot of stats. It does. So there you go. Uh, that's one thing. Uh, what is the other thing there? Uh, if if golf wasn't geeky enough for you, I don't think anything gets geekier than this. It's true. On uh, And I looked up the specific date. This would be two weeks ago. So it would be the, okay. the 13th. Well, it's too late, Andy. Ah, I lost it. That's all right, though. Tell us anyways. Uh, on February 13th, 1989, so 30 years ago, the Star Trek The Next Generation episode, Measure of a Man, aired. And that episode was uh, somewhat of a big deal. It mm. received uh, a couple of writing awards. Uh, it was the, the episode where they were arguing whether Data, the android crew member, was uh, a person or whether he was property. Ooh. And so they had to, so um, Captain Picard had to argue that he, that he was a, a sentient being and, and, and deserved uh, respect and personhood and um, another member of the crew, the first officer William Riker had to, was assigned to the task of um, playing the advocate, uh, the, the devil's advocate role where he had to argue that, that Data, his friend, was nothing more than a machine mm. and so it was a, a very very interesting episode of one, like, like I said plenty of writing awards and is still considered one of the better pieces of sci-fi written in the last 30 years. Wow. So would you say it's about on par with the episode, you can probably see the smirk on my face, the episode where Data becomes a stand-up comedian? Yes, they are <laughs> They are roughly similar in quality. Um, um, now, see, I've, I've talked to you for this a little bit, but I've, I've only tried once to really get into Next Gen, and that was with the first episode, mm-hmm. the very, like the pilot. Yeah. And the pilot's a little slow. I had a hard time it getting is. through it. It is. Um... But uh, do you think maybe I could jump into that? Because that 
plot sounds fascinating. The it does, yeah. They really kind of started to find its stride, middle yeah. to late second season. It's because um, that sounds like you really get to know some of the characters as well through an episode like that. You do, and and it's incredibly episodic. Next Gen is one of those series where you can you can catch any episode out of mm-hmm. order on uh, in syndication, and you'll be able to jump right in. There's not a there's not a big learning curve. It's um, there are not mm-hmm. a lot of arcs. So I, mm. I, you could definitely jump in there. This is true of just about every single Star Trek. No Star Trek has a good first season. Mm. Not even the current stuff. Star Trek Discovery had a rocky first season. Um, and uh, yeah, no Star Trek knew what it was doing and what it wanted to be season one. Mm. Most of them took two or three seasons to find themselves. Yeah. Or if you're the very first series. Original series. The yeah. original series, half of season one and season two are your best episodes and then season three is where they ran out of money yeah pretty much. um but uh can we convince you to watch next gen honey or are you still uh katie honey katie honey or are you still fixated on the original series because it has spock slash leonard nimoy in it after i finish watching all of the original series then i will be happy to try i, I will i will recommend like a couple specific curated episodes and if you don't like it after those perfectly fine mm-hmm I'll try it. I think we can't go wrong. Paternity leave. That's what maternity leave is <laughs> There you for. go. That's right. Now, and I'm going to get uh, four weeks paid a paternity leave, folks. So uh, I'm going to get to watch a whole lot of stuff. Because <laughs> that's pretty much all you do when you have a new baby. You, uh, doze you, off watching TV. Yeah, doze off watching sleep. TV. And then you sleep when the baby sleeps, basically. And then... Uh, yeah, except this time around we have a four-year-old. He's fine. We'll just leave him <laughs> in his room. He's pretty self-governing at this yeah. point. Yeah, right. right? basically right. an adult he almost knows how to brush his teeth by himself um <laughs> anyways anything beyond that is just gravy yeah right so let's get into the topic of today the topic of today is uh we, we wanted to now i had another podcast planned for today but certain events came up and and uh it just didn't come together uh for for today so we'll save that topic for another time so I thought sort of in my hairiness to put something together, I thought, well, what, what could we talk about? And Andy, I think, sensed upon my hairiness in uh, being stressed out with not just the podcast, but other things in general. Um, and he said, what about comfort food? What's what, your... Yeah, what, what makes you happy, Nate? Yeah. What, what retro pop culture goodness brings you joy? Brings you the warm fuzzies of nostalgia. And if it was physical, or, Marie Kondo would not let you throw out. Ah, mm, yes, that's right. <laughs> Yay. Katie has a big goony smile on her face. Um, so yeah, that, that's what we're going to talk about today, is uh, just some of our pop culture comfort foods. Um, those little uh, those little things that give us the warm fuzzies. They may not be the most important of works. They may not have the most to say. But they are certainly things that uh, give us joy on days when uh, days when we don't feel so good. So... In the doldrums of winter. In the dold, especially now the dold. Yes, yes, in the doldrums of winter. So, um, Katie, let's begin with you. Mm-hmm. Tell me one of your uh, pop culture comfort foods. I see here you have uh, a video game. Let's start. Let's start off. Uh, let's start off on that foot. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so my pop culture comfort food video game is Super Mario World for the mm. SNES. Mm. 
It is by far. Thank you for not saying SNES. SNES sounds disgusting, and I will not say it. Thank you. Is that a thing? Yes. People are starting to say SNES, and instead of shoot 'em up, they say shmup. I know, right? Uh, It's awful. Are we that lazy? I know. Oh, just Uh, uh, young people, kids. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Yeah. So I grew up playing Super Mario World, and uh, I'll brag for a second. I'm pretty decent at it. Yeah. Okay. Um, I played it with you. But I love to play it, especially through like the first two worlds, three worlds, because it's mm. just fun. Right. After that, it starts to get a little bit harder. It's more challenging. But if I need something that's just like fun to play, I don't have to think a lot about playing it. It's just enjoyable. Mm. That's my go-to. And you know where all the secrets are and everything. So yeah. I remember uh, playing it with you for the first time. Like, I mean, I, I believed you that... That, that you had played the game, you know. I wasn't one of those people who was like, well, the girls don't play video games. <laughs> but, like, I was surprised when watching you play, and it's like, how did you know where that was? Like, how did you how, how did you know that, that that key was up there? And Because like, I never figured those things out. I was I was more of a Mario 3 kid. Hmm. I, I preferred Super Mario 3. But uh, and Super Mario World was always kind of an enigma to me. Because um, it's slower. It's uh, it's got a lot more secrets to it, but yeah, that's what's fun. <laughs> I listen more to puzzly. A, yeah. yeah, no I wonder li- you love it. I listened to a podcast recently where um, there was a member of the podcast talking about Super Mario and how much he loved it. Yeah, and um, and she made the comment. She's like, you know, I think Mario might be the most consistent man in my life. My <laughs> in, my in, throughout throughout my life, and she was probably in her early thirties. And I thought to myself, there's probably a number of, of you know, young adults out there or, or just straight up adults out there at this point who could probably say that about Mario. So I just thought it was a funny observation. That is funny. Yeah, it's by far my favorite Mario game and the, and the one I played the most. Hmm. Um, but something that I play, never played as a kid, but I play now that I think is relaxing and comforting. And actually, we often play to make decisions in our house when Nate and I can't decide between two things. Yes. Uh, we play Dr. Mario. Yes. And the winner gets to choose if we're t- trying to decide between like two activities for a weekend or something and mm-hmm. we can't make up our mind. I was so mad the one time it was a Friday night and I wanted to stay up because I I, I still even even at uh, even at 31 years old I don't want to waste a Friday night, and I feel like I've failed Friday if I go to bed early. Yeah, that's, um, I, I get that. Yeah, and uh, like even if it's just staying at home and like putzing around on the computer, you know. Um, and uh, but but Katie really wanted to go to bed this one Friday, and we were already had the video games out, so she was like, "Well, let's play Doctor Mario for it. If you if you lose, you got to come to bed with me, and we're gonna go to sleep." <laughs> And uh, if uh, you win, we'll stay up and watch something. And um, I, I had a bad night. Oh and no! I lost. Yeah. <laughs> what? I'm better than you. No. What? You had a bad night. No. <laughs> we. I. I think we are very evenly matched. I have good nights and I have bad nights, and you the same. There are some days where I just can't get it together and you just, <laughs> everything just both goes your way and you know exactly where to put things as you see them. And some days the opposite is true. 
All right, but don't blame that. Uh, you losing on you having an off night. That was not an off night. I was probably just really good that night. Well, that too. Well, that's what I mean. You, also, sleep. You, you were on and I was off. Sleep is an incredible motivator for me. <laughs> that's true. That's yeah. true. We like Dr. Mario in our our house too. We, I took one of my old um, um, probably trophies from something I did in, in school, whether it was T-ball or some academic event that where I got a trophy. And I just took a piece of electrical tape and put it over the, the actual plaque for what it was for. And I wrote with a silver Sharpie. Dr. Mario slash Tetris because <laughs> the anomaly in our house is that um, my wife is very very good at Tetris will whip me like crazy in Tetris mm-hmm. but is the inverse is true for Dr. Mario she is not that great at Dr. Mario an anemic Dr. Mario yes, player is what yeah, you're she is yes. so so we'll do like that mixed match you get on the uh, Tetris, Tetris mm-hmm. Dr. Mario cartridge for the Super Nintendo mm-hmm. um, where you do one round of Tetris then one round of Dr. Mario then another round of Tetris Mm. Um, that is where we find in, you know even matchedness because uh, I can make up my ground in Doctor Mario and we can usually be competitive that way. Yeah, but it's funny that uh, yeah, that's a really good game. Uh, the Doctor Tetris Doctor Mario, the Super Nintendo game. Yeah, I found it at a thrift store for two dollars. Oh yeah, it was it's just, really easy to find. Yeah, worth its weight in gold. Even if you buy it like at a resale shop, like you know where they know what it's worth, you're still only paying ten bucks. Like, right, that's totally worth it. What about you, honey? How do you feel about Tetris? Just real quick before we move on. Uh, I love puzzle games, but Tetris isn't super high on my list. I prefer Dr. Mario, Kirby's Avalanche. Oh, there you go. Mm. Those kinds of oh, games. Oh, Kirby's Avalanche. Kirby's is so Avalanche good. is so good. Puyo Puyo. <laughs> Squishy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tetris is okay, though. I yeah. like Tetris. Yeah. Tetris is good. All right, Andy. Why don't you give us one of yours? Well, I'm going to go with the one that I alluded to earlier. For me, it is uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. Mm. I grew up with that. Um, growing up as a kid, um, it was... Uh, I mean, this probably didn't happen for very long, but it, this, it stuck with me that my dad would come home from work, and just about the time he was coming home from work, at the same time, Star Trek The Next Generation was coming on TV in syndication. Mm, yeah. And so it what was... What station was it on? It was on, on Fox 29. Okay. Uh, so, WUTV. Yeah, WUTV. Mm-hmm. And we would watch that together, and I that was my introduction to Star Trek. And um, I, I keep returning to it because in the current age we live in of prestige television, all the characters are super realistic, and they're super fleshed out, and they're super complicated. Mm-hmm. And, and while I, I love that, and I love uh, stories with depth and, and especially character development, um, I love that Captain Picard is this, um, is this uncorruptible character. No matter the the haywireness of the universe, no matter what's going on around him or the people who are around him, he is is uh, sure-footed and he is and he is smart and he is not going to be the bad guy. You mm. you can rely on him to take whatever situation it is and not take the easy way out, not um, compromise um, his values or Starfleet's values. He is going to even at his own expense do the right thing. In, in any given moment. And uh, just in the topsy-turvy world that we find ourselves in now, um, I not to get too political, but I just the idea that that's, that, that's somebody, that there is a character who is uncorruptible and can kind of point back in a direction like that is, uh, is you know, like a, mm. like, like a warm, 
blanket that you can wrap yourself up in and enjoy. So it's I extra appealing nowadays. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Does that sell you on it more, honey? Maybe. Knowing, uh, Patrick Stewart's in it and oh, yeah, Patrick being Stewart. a paragon. Right. <laughs> I, do I mean, like Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart's pretty great. Hot take. The the Gene Roddenberry was in it, involved in it, and if anyone's interested in the backstory of this, there's a great, maybe great overselling. There's a very good documentary that came out called um, Chaos on the Bridge, hmm. uh, put together actually by William Shatner about some of the behind the scenes struggles that happened on that show in the first three seasons. But um, it seems like the more Gene Roddenberry was removed from the day to day of that show, the better the show got. Hmm. Um, he just seemed like he was. There was a lot going on, but yeah, the, the the less Gene Roddenberry was involved, the better the show got. And so, so season one, season two are a little rough, and then three through seven are just dynamite television. Mm. And if anybody says, "Oh, well, which episode should I start with?" because it is so episodic, like I mentioned earlier, yeah. um, we'll talk Twitter handles at the end of this, and uh, I will send you two, two, three, four episodes <laughs> to, to get cracking with. I mean, ask Andy. I, what, what are your top ten? Right. It is not Star the, Trek Next Generation episodes yes. for a newbie. Star Trek Next Generation is not the best Star Trek. It's not, oh. the, it's not the best one. Mm, but it is, it, to some. it is the one that gives me the most comfort. Mm. So I will, I will go with that. Uh, quick, what is the best one? Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Okay, there you go. Not Enterprise? No. Okay. <laughs> Just checking. All right, so I'll let loose with one of mine here, and then uh, I guess we can go on a quick break. Uh, one of my pop culture comfort foods is uh, I um, I really love the aesthetic of the seventies. I love orange shag carpet. I love <laughs> who doesn't? I oh yeah right. I love <laughs> wood paneling. I love wood paneling. Uh, I love mid century modern design. Um, I love uh, fuzzy TVs and, and, and records and reel-to-reels, you know, and stuff like that. And to me, that that sort of aesthetic, aesthetic really um, comforts me. It, it's, it's, it, it fills me up with the warm fuzzies. Um, that's and the carpet. No, yes, and that's the carpet. Yep, <laughs> there's lots of warm fuzzies trapped by that carpet. Right. Yes, um, <laughs> so it, it gets in the air. Yeah. Gets, oh boy, oh boy, does it? Uh, don't let asthmatic kids around that carpet. But um, side note, what's that? Shag carpet is fantastic for standing your toys up in. Because my yes. grandparents had green, like avocado green and white shag carpet oh, when beautiful. I was a kid. Yeah. But you could stand up figures in it because you could, yeah, like bury them in it, their yeah. legs in it. But I think the perfect embodiment of that aesthetic in musical form is Paul Williams' work from that era. Mm-hmm. And cause, because his, his songs are so sincere, they, uh, they don't really mince a lot of words. Uh, they are melancholy, very melancholy, and I'm a very melancholic kind of person. So... You know, things like rainy days and Mondays, like if I'm having a bad day, like rainy days and Mondays, or um, what's that other song? Uh, Waking Up Alone, things like that. Uh, just, uh, they, they really speak to me for, for some reason. And, and, and the instrumentation, the uh, the uh, the piano the, with the, uh, the sad piano with the guitar, and it's just, uh, it's my kind of a thing. Also, he wrote all the music for uh, the Muppet movie mm-hmm. and Muppet Christmas Carol, 
And Emmett Otter's Jug Band and Christmas. And Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. He wrote a lot of the Carpenters' big hits, including uh, We've Only Just Begun, mm-hmm. the aforementioned Rainy Days and Mondays. Just an old fashioned love song. Just an old fashioned love song. That's a great song. That Three Dog Night really brought, uh, really made that one popular, along with Out in the Country. And he was in uh, one of the greatest movies of all time, Phantom the Princess of the Paradise. Diaries Two. Now, oh. Is he in that movie? <laughs> yeah, he makes a cameo in that movie. That's bizarre. I know. Uh, <laughs> May I ask a terribly ignorant question? Yes. Is uh, Mr. Paul Williams still still with us? He is still with us. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. There's actually a documentary about him that's called well, "Still Alive." Still Alive. Paul Williams still alive. <laughs> yeah. So it's and, funny that you asked. Oh, yeah. That. I walked right into that. One. Oh my gosh! But but it's that that documentary is so great because he talks about how like. You know, like he got really wrapped up into to drugs and alcohol and, and stuff like that. And it almost took him away, you know. And one well, of the songs that he that he he wrote a brand new song for that documentary when it came out, and it's called "Still Alive," you know. And it's about how um, he, he says that there's sweeter souls who did not survive, but uh, if you're lucky, the dreamer's still alive. And just about how like there's other people who deserve to be here just as much as me but they didn't make it and but i did and i guess i'm pretty lucky for that so of course you know i don't and he he always talks these days if you ever follow him on twitter he always talks about uh gratefulness um and uh which i'm okay with it's a good quality (laughs) Um, but But he uh, is in phantom of the paradise and he is in phantom of the paradise one of the greatest movies of all time uh brian de palma's best movie don't at me. That movie is fantastic. Take that, Carrie fans. He's just saying that you can go ahead and add him. That's fine. <laughs> no, don't at me. I know what I'm talking about. That movie's amazing. Oh, Phantom of the Paradise is one of the best movie soundtracks of all. T- God, that movie's ha- so good. You but have to be in the right mood to watch that movie. The right mood is now. It's all the time. <laughs> that, that move, I'm always have in the mood for that Have you watched it with movie. him, Andy? I haven't. Oh, oh my gosh. goodness. It is it's, a treat. It's a perfect parody of music from the 70s. So okay. like, he does like these little pastiches of like music from Kiss okay. or, and music from like sensitive singer-songwriters like himself. <laughs> or like, um, oh, what's the guy who does um, Fire and Rain? Uh, James, Taylor. James Taylor. He does a you know he does a good little parody of that in there, and uh, it's just it, it says a lot about like the hollowness of of how like the promise of the '60s gave way to the hollowness of the '70s, and it's just oh, it's wonderful, wonderful film. Well, I will certainly um, watch that with you next time you yes. you get the inclination to do so. And I guess he played the penguin in Batman the animated series. If you want to go in that direction, but. Uh, which you, you, it's kind of perfect casting if you think about it. Paul Williams, he's a pretty good penguin, right? Yeah. He's yeah. shorter. He's short. He's short. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he is. <laughs> oh boy. He can be seen in the Muppet movie too, right? Like, isn't yeah, he, he, plays he, piano. he plays the piano in the scene when they go into that bar. He's oh, okay. playing on the piano in the original Muppet movie. When mm-hmm. uh, when Kermit is talking to Ralph. Is that the scene? Kermit is talking around. No, because that's when they're in the. You can't live with them. You can't live without them. Oh, yeah. Not there. It was yeah. before that. He's with Fozzie. Oh, okay. Yeah, in that in the rowdy bar. Oh, the rowdy yeah. Bar. Okay. Yeah. He's, he's playing piano. Yeah, and he also did Bugs. He also did Bugsy Malone, and uh, I've, I have uh, again. What a talent! Listeners will will frequent listeners will know. 
that I have Mr. Paul Williams' picture up on my wall <laughs> and it's been autographed <laughs> to me. He got it for Nate uh, for his 30th birthday. Yeah, I think that's his prized possession. <laughs> it is uh, It is definitely one of them. In fact, I think all of my prized possessions are things that you got for me, honey. I'm a thoughtful gift giver. Uh, yeah, I got my Vectrex from you and uh, and others. Another yeah, I was going to say, that, but, was, that was Seth Zielinski. I had no yeah. idea what a Vectrex was. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. That and uh, and the Paul Williams uh, the Paul Williams thing there. All right. With that having been said, we will dive into more of our favorite comfort foods after this. Thank you, Katie, for the suggestion. <laughs> you and me against the world. Sometimes it feels like you and me against the world. When all the others turn their back and walk away. You can count on me to stay. Saturday evenings at 6 on WUTV, go where no man has gone before. It's Star Trek, followed by The Next Generation. Saturday evening starting at 6, it's Star Trek. Then at 7, Star Trek The Next Generation, here on WUTV. Oh, you mean like Bugs Bunny? Can you tell me which network you can find them on? Okay, let me give you a few hints. Getting warmer. Still don't get it, do you, Elmer? Need another clue? Come on, Elmer, the answer's right under your nose. That's right, Doc, the Wabbit's on TNT. Once in the morning, once at night on TNT. We don't need to tell you. Life's tough. I'm just trying to survive till junior high. That's why Nickelodeon presents D-O-U-G Doug. What should I do? Doug. He's two eyes, four limbs, and 84 pounds of wishful thinking. Plagued by grown-ups, hounded by homework, a little nervous about girls. He's just a kid trying to make the grade. Seventh grade. What are you waiting for, funny? Hop to! Chop, chop! Can Doug pull through? How did I ever get into this mess? Find out on Doug. One of the Nicktoons every Sunday morning at 10, 9 central on Nick. You've played every Mario game. you conquered every Mario game. You think you've mastered all there is to know about Mario. Well, you better think again. New Super Mario World, made possible by the power of the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. You've never faced the challenge of so many enemies, so many obstacles, so many levels. You've never needed help from a dinosaur before. Super Mario World, you get it only with a Super NES. It's part of the growing lineup of games for the next generation from Nintendo. You've got to play it. You've got to have it. You've got a reputation. Now you're playing with power. Super power. Hi all, we are back. We're here to talk to you some more about our warmest, most comforting comfort Cud- food. Cuddliest? Cuddliest comfort food. <laughs> the the pizza of pop culture. The uh, the warm cake out of the oven. Cake in a um, pan. Cake in a pan. <laughs> um what, what are some other good foods here? What give, give me some more analogies here. What I speaking of which real quick? Andy, what's yes, your favorite comfort food? Like actual food? Oh goodness, cornbread um, with butter. Mm, I think I like a a warm apple crisp with a scoop of vanilla ice cream on top. Oh, that sounds good. Mm. Mm. Katie, give us a good uh, good comfort food. Chili. 
Mm. I love chili. What do you put in that chili? Uh, there has to be corn in it and then mm. sour cream and cheese on top of it. Mm. You like a spicy chili? Uh, not super spicy. Okay. And Just enough if, for a little kick? If I'm home, I like chili mac. Chili mac is this weird thing that they do in, out in the Midwest where they ta- they put like macaroni noodles underneath the chili and then they it's pour the so chili on good. top of it. It's so good. See, I thought you were going to say it was it was macaroni and cheese topped with chili because I'm on board for that too. No, yeah. that's too much. It's just elbow noodles oh, okay. with chili on top. See, I was growing up, they just called that goulash. Oh. oh. Really? I haven't heard of any of these things. Yeah, it's just goulash. It's just, you know, t- tomato sauce. No- Rochester uh, is so much more meat. East Coast than you guys. So much more East Coast than you, Andy. That's fine. You, Katie. I'm willing to, to you know, concede that to you. That's Calling fine. your soft drinks pop. What's wrong with you people? Anyway. Teddy called it pop. What he sound does, does it make? Call, he does call it pop. What sound does it make when you open it up? Soda. <laughs> Makes popping sound. I'm sure that mic levels just... That's fine. That's what compression's for. Um, So, Katie, let's uh, go back around to you. Can you Mm -hmm. give us another one of your pop culture comfort foods? Are you going to tell me which one to do? Do what you want. I have, I see two on here. Uh If it's not one of these two, (laughs) I'm going to be furious because my planning was thrown off. I love to throw your planning off in your podcast. But I won't do that to you this time. I wrote it down on a legal pad. (laughs) Anyway. Tell, um, tell me something. Tell hmm, me something good. Yes. Comfort food for me. Something I grew up watching uh, that I continue to watch now, especially to fall asleep to, is Nickelodeon's Doug. Mm-hmm. I love that show. It is my favorite of all of the 90s Nickelodeon shows. Mm. I was never a huge fan of Rugrats mm. or ren and stimpy or any of those other i loved Rocko's modern life Rocko's modern life only sometimes mm. now is that um, true if you factor in the the live action shows your salute your shorts the are you afraid of the dark Close yeah AD. clarissa explains it all yeah yeah i would say including AD. all the live action ones doug was my favorite and uh i maybe because everybody else and all the other shows were much more crude humor um, or in the case of Rugrats, everything was like hyper stylized. Yeah. Yeah. But Doug, there's just a sweetness and a sincerity about it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is very calming to me. And Doug's a good kid. Even when he doesn't do things right, he still makes them right by the end of the episode. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know. I always liked that because I, I was a good kid. It's very low key, kind of even keeled. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. episodes are about uh, how he didn't realize throwing a rock at this old house would hurt his friend's feelings because it was their old house. or Right, he didn't realize the yeah. emotional attachment. Yeah, or something as simple as, like, um, the episode where uh, he tries to sell those awful chocolate bars and he thinks about, like, cheating. to right. s- Like, wrapping up other chocolate bars inside the other ones so he could sell them. And then he feels bad about it and, you know... Or the one where he spends all of his money at the arcade playing video games and doesn't have mm-hmm. money to buy Patty Mayonnaise as a gift. Yeah. So he makes Bagged her a towel the rag. Yeah. <laughs> that towel she rag. thought was a beat, a beat ball ca- rag. A beat ball caddy. Uh-huh. Yeah. And yeah. it turns out to be her favorite gift. Uh, See that? They're just so yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. It's just so uh, sweet. Um, apparently, the guy who created that, Jim Jenkins, the guy who created Doug, is 
like he based that off of his childhood growing up and yeah apparently like everyone who's ever met him is like oh yeah he's just doug that's who he was he's very quiet very sincere um you know very empathetic i feel like i would might have been a female doug when i was growing up yeah yeah I feel like it was more socially awkward than Doug was, which is hard to believe. Because <laughs> Doug is a to- like he's he has some social awkwardness to him. But I was I was I was those nerdy guys he went over to the houses of, you know. Remember, and they played computer games and right, and they were weird and they were embarrassed Good. of their dad who made donuts. <laughs> do you remember that episode? I think I do. That's seared into my brain. And they used a typewriter as a keyboard, and that fascinated me as a kid. Was that those twins? Those twins, yeah. Yeah, gosh, what were their names? That's I don't remember, me. but but yeah. I can picture them in my mind's mm-hmm. eye. Um, yeah, that that show is really sweet. It's it's very good, very good cartoon. Definitely not at all. I, I think probably the Nicktoon that comes closest to that would probably be probably be Hey Arnold. I think that's in yeah. a lot of ways a spiritual successor to Doug. Yeah, even though it is very different animation-wise, and even coloring is louder and it's more urban too. Yeah, than than Doug, which is very very suburban. Sure, going to the Honker Burger. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, do you have anything else to say about Doug, or shall I move on to Mr. Andrew Parks? Not Disney's Doug. Oh, not Disney's. Yeah, Doug. that's what yes. I will say. I you, did you not. Enjoy... You don't want Doug to have a new baby sister named Dirt Bike Funny. No. <laughs> or it's Roger Klotz to bad. suddenly become rich and it's not all, be played by Billy West. It's all bad. I did not enjoy it. Yeah. Patty Manning's got a haircut. I mm. didn't like any of it. Mm. Are you saying that Disney got their hands on an established property and made it worse? <laughs> Unprecedented. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Star Wars The Last Jedi is still good. Okay, guys? It's a good movie. That's not what he's talking about. I was not talking about Star Wars. Dumb edge lords go elsewhere. Who cares about Star Wars? Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. when there's Star Trek. Yeah, I'm saying. Um, anyway. Uh, Andy, regale us with another one of your picks. This is one that I did not watch growing up, but mm-hmm. has become a favorite of mine in, in adulthood. Is I've, And I've probably mentioned this before, but the show MASH. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I really appreciate the show quite a bit. I growing up in uh, in high school and college, and this is probably going to put a nice timestamp on me here. Mm-hmm. But high school and college, I really, really got into the show Scrubs. I liked it. I liked. I remember that. I had <laughs> never watched a show that was both a comedy and a drama, and would go back and forth between those two elements. I just mm-hmm. hadn't seen it. I had watched. I grew up on really dumb '90s sitcoms, and I watched all of them. Yeah. Um, there was uh, the Full House, Your Family Matters, Your Step by Step, Your Boy oh. Meets World, <laughs> like Your uh, Perfect Strangers. Um, there, I, I listened to something recently where they were talking. They asked a trivia question about season nine of Family Matters, and the question was: <laughs> the question was, in season nine of Family Matters, Steve Urkel was saved by which government entity? And the answer was NASA, because in season nine of Family Matters, Steve Urkel ended up in space. Um, <laughs> it was dumb. So I came across Scrubs, and it was a show that that spent that could be absurdly broadly funny, and then deal with life and death on, at the drop of a hat. Mm-hmm. And I was, and I really appreciated that because I had never seen anything like it. And then I watched MASH, and I realized, first of all, MASH is a better show than Scrubs. I don't think I have to say that for that. I shouldn't have to Scrubs say Scrubs is still good, though. Stop, Scrubs yeah. is good, but it's, yeah. but MASH is a better show. Mm. Um, looking at it now, I I admire um, Alan Alda's character, uh, Hawkeye, because he, he is, I mean, the Korean War did not last 11 years. No. <laughs> MASH did. Yeah. But 
in that in the stretch of those episodes, his character never was the frog who was getting boiled and didn't notice. He never lost his sense of how dumb the war was right. and and how and he never lost his sense of outrage over things that deservedly needed to be outraged over. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the current world we live in, I feel like not getting too used to to craziness and being willing to continue to be outraged even 11 years into the Korean War is yeah. uh, is a is maybe a virtue that needs to be uh, adopted because mm. it's so easy to you hear something absurd and crazy and you say oh well I guess that's just how things are now yeah um, but the second you start saying that you've lost sure yeah. and uh, I mean I know, I know obviously they didn't it wasn't supposed to be the they weren't portraying a war that lasted 11 years but you, you still had this character who never who never accepted the narrative that was given to him he still was able to stick his head up above the clouds and the noise and just say this is dumb this is crazy and it yeah. deserves to be made fun of and it deserves to be taken seriously and 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 treated yeah. with seriousness and so i i mean there's other great characters in that show too obviously and um so not only have i been watching the show i've been actually going back and watching um interviews from the cast from the last 10 years or so mm-hmm. uh, um and it's interesting to to have them reflect on it on the show and what they've learned now that they are elderly how do they feel about the show after the fact? And it's just all very warm and very positive. And yeah. they all got along. They all liked each other. They all yeah. spent time together. And it's just, it is my comfort food. Uh, it makes me feel a little bit less crazy. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, now, here's a little question for you. Who is the better foil uh, to Hawkeye's at, Hawkeye and BJ slash, what's the other guy? Trapper John. Trapper. Uh, who, who's the best foil? Is it Frank or is it uh, David Ogden? Winchester. David Ogden. Winchester. Thank you. <laughs> I, I can remember David Ogden Steers, but I but you couldn't remember, remember Winchester. Couldn't, couldn't remember Winchester. Charles Emerson Winchester. Because yeah. um, I love Winchester. <laughs> yes, I. It's, I think it's got to be Winchester because Frank yeah. is. He's relentlessly military. Yes, but I keep as I as I say, which this, is a great great person to take down like that's like comedy gold you know but i i would just watch and i would say to aaron like this is a cat i believe all these characters but frank is just a boob Mm. like he he's hard to take seriously he's just he's the cartoon character amongst real Mm. real characters but winchester's a better surgeon than hawkeye so hawkeye has to deal Mm. with with the arrogance and the pompousness and and just the the total lack of respect for him and his his gifts because Winchester's a better surgeon than Hawkeye is. Mm. And so it, that, it, that does add a different wrinkle to it. It humbles Hawkeye at the same time as drives him crazy. And I yeah. think it makes him a better character. And I think that, and I like that Frank, Frank never changed. Frank was the same rigidly militaristic guy that uh, from beginning to end, mm. Winchester actually develops over the course of the show and he, yeah. and he becomes a better person toward the end. Yeah. So I think definitely Winchester is the better character, but also I think he's he is the better foil too. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Frank is notably less of. I, I'm also a fan of the movie Mash, which mm-hmm. a lot of people are either a fan of one or the other, mm-hmm. um, and nobody's a fan of the book. Um, but uh, uh, I like both the TV series and the movie. The movie is very different from the TV show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frank is. Yeah, Frank in the TV show is a boob. Mm-hmm. Frank in the movie is a hateful monster. 
Um, he has his moments in the in the yeah. show the where show he too. is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like I mean, there's a scene in the movie where um, one of his patients dies on the operating table, and he uh, he yells at his assistant set and basically like, "You killed him. Good job," and leaves. It's like the Frank of the TV show. I don't think would have done something that horrible and mean. The Frank of the TV yeah. show re- routinely requested that they let the North Koreans who come in die. Oh, that's yeah. true. Or even even yeah. the South Koreans. Yeah. He's like, well, yeah. why are we fixing them up? Yeah. They're, right. If they weren't an American soldier. Yeah. If they weren't yeah. an American soldier, he was content to let them bleed out. Yeah. So there is, there isn't, there's, there's yeah. I think it's, it's, yeah. He's a, he's a, he's, he's, he's a monster, monster too, either yeah. way. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but that struck me when I watched the movies like, wow, they really bring it home that Frank is a horrible human being. The Hawkeye's very different in that one too. Like he's he's only he's almost purely absurd as played hmm. by uh Donald Sutherland. Right. He just is there he just is there to tear everything down. <laughs> uh, him and uh, Elliot Gould as Trapper yeah. John. Um who uh blessed the guy who played him in the T V series. Um he was he could never be as good as Elliot Gould. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it was impossible. Alan Alda did his own thing. He made he made the character his own. Right. The other guy never never did that with Trapper. Anyways, um, for my thing, I'm going to say... Well, I'm going to preface this by saying... Um, there are a lot of comfort foods that I've actually already talked about on this podcast. And I really don't uh, want to bring those up again. Notably, uh, one of those things is King Kong. Which uh, I did a whole podcast about. Just that mm-hmm. one movie. So I need not rehash that. Just that one version of that one movie. Just that one version of that <laughs> one movie. My, of course, if you haven't listened to it yet, uh, the 1933 film King Kong is my favorite, and it is absolutely one of my biggest pop culture comfort foods. But I've already talked about it ad nauseum. You can go back and uh, find that find that podcast. It was just a, it was just a few months ago in the summer. Um, so instead of that. I will, as my second one, I'm going to talk about uh, old school JRPGs. What's a JRPG, you ask? A Japanese RPG uh, role-playing game. Japanese role-playing game. Uh, Especially of the Dragon Quest slash Dragon Warrior variety. Have you guys ever played these? Katie, I know you're consistently bored by RPGs. Yeah, can we Um, go back to talking about MASH? I like MASH. (laughs) No, I'm going to talk about this real quick. Then we're going to move on. Um... There's something so calming about Japanese RPGs to me. They're they're so um, they're they're very traditional. Um, you know, you just you keep fighting and you keep grinding, and you're gonna get bigger. You're gonna get stronger the more you do that. You get more money. Use that money to go buy better equipment. You can fight bigger monsters, get better stats, go get even more money to get better. To, to get better equipment and then you kind of rinse lather repeat and you you know explore some dungeons along the way and just that whole process i find very um very calming very relaxing and it helps to like take my focus off of things that might be troubling me and and put it into something that while not really constructive is it still channels it into something so i'm not scatterbrained and worried and and I find it I find them very therapeutic to me. There's sort of a therapeutic repetition to those to those games, and uh, some of them have good stories. Dragon Dragon Warrior Four, Dragon Quest Four, I should say, 
uh, has a really fun story. You go to different characters and you learn what they're doing, and then they all converge towards the end, and it's really fun. Did they release a Dragon Quest game for Game Boy? Yeah. Okay. Several. Okay, because I that was my exposure to them is I saw there was a Game Boy game and it was actually it was like Dragon Quest it was it was weird it was like four and five there was Dragon Warrior one and two okay and then there's Dragon Warrior three which they called Dragon Warrior in those days and then they switched later on to the Japanese title Dragon Quest mm-hmm. um I don't know if they I don't think they released four and five on a package they released Final Fantasy four and five together I think. Yeah, because um, there was some, there was some, uh, I believe it was Dragon Quest Game Boy game where it was, it wasn't like one and two, it was like three and four. It was just something in the middle of the yeah. series that was. It wasn't in, Dragon Warrior Monsters. I don't think so. Okay, because I did, I did buy that. Ferndack play that. played that a lot, and I, which is weird, because I didn't know anybody else who played that that game. Mm-hmm. And then when I talked to him about it, it was like, oh my god, you played Dragon Warrior Monsters? And you nobody just... played that game. It was a Pokemon ripoff. Um, oh sure, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, that's that's interesting. Did you play a lot of RPGs like that, or um, I play not. I don't know that I played a lot of JRPGs. I liked. I don't know. Is Earthbound a JRPG? Yeah. Okay, I played Earthbound. Yeah. Um, I also liked Super Mario RPG. Yeah, that was one. that was one of my favorites growing up, just because it had all the characters I knew. Yeah. And it was then the gameplay was was dynamite, and there, yeah. should, there should have been a true sequel, and there never really was. And I yeah. don't, don't I don't hear about Paper Mario. I don't hear about Paper Mario. <laughs> Paper Mario is good. <laughs> uh, not the same, uh, but yeah. no, yeah. I think as far as RPGs go, yeah, I did play. I, I played the the Pokemon Game Boy games, sure. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, that's honestly what got a lot of us into the genre was Pokemon. I mean, that's that was the first JRPG I played. Um, was uh, Pokemon Blue. I remember getting the promotional VHS in the mail about it. My it's funny for one year for Christmas, we my siblings and I all had Game Boys. Um, yeah. the the big. Bricks, yeah, the, right, yeah, not none of the smaller colored one. No, it was just yeah. the big gray bricks. We each yeah. had one, yeah. And for Christmas one year, my sister got blue, my brother got red, and I got yellow. Ooh! So somehow I ended up with yellow, which was cool, well, nice for me. Yeah. Um, and with the exception of the Metal Gear Solid franchise, that game sucked up the most amount of time. I put a lot of hours in that game. Yeah, that game is really good. Yeah, it's a great game. I uh, re-downloaded it on my 3DS um, a couple years ago. I think when Pokemon Go started to crop up again, mm-hmm. I just I started to you know get big, and uh, and I downloaded Pokemon Blue just to play. It was ten bucks, and uh, that game holds up. Yeah, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that game. It's it's so it, it streamlines the JRPG even further and just sort of makes it move along at a, at a at a quicker clip and yeah, that game's great. I'm actually playing right now. I haven't picked it up in a while, but I'm playing through Pokemon uh, Alpha Sapphire. It was on sale at Target. Oh, there you go. Which which like first party Nintendo games are never on sale. Never. So, when I saw that one on sale, I was like I have to buy it, I have to buy it, I have to buy it. So this is the first Pokemon game I've played since uh, Pokemon Silver, way wow. back in the day. So, and it's fun. The gameplay is still great. You know, Pokemon it turns out is a really fun game. Even in your thirties. <laughs> Even in your thirties, it's still really fun. So uh, yeah, JRPGs. Katie, mm-hmm. you've been very quiet. It's, I don't think I've ever played. JRPG. You play a little bit of Pokemon, right? I played it for like 10 minutes and basically threw it across the room. <laughs> she got I, bored. I just, 
it's too much. Everything that you love about it is yeah. drudgery to me. The grind. You're not into the grind. Yeah, I am not in. I'm not into that at all. And yeah. it's really, it can't keep my attention. Mm. Mm. I understand why you like it, and I'm yeah. happy that you like it. I just really can't get into them. I understand why you don't. It's why I like Pokemon Go. Valid. Yeah. <laughs> it's because it's your life choices are valid. It's and all I accept the f- them. It's all the fun things about Pokemon, the catching things cuz I'm incredibly competitive and I want to catch them all. Yeah. But I don't have to there's not as much grind to it. I could just go around and catch Pokemon if I wanted to. Yeah. Well, Katie, tell us about uh your final bit of comfort food for this evening. Certainly. Yes, your dessert. <laughs> um my final bit of comfort food is uh, the Anne of Green Gables stories. Sure. Uh, in different formats. I adored those books growing up. Mm. I read all of them um, over and over again. We had a front porch swing when I was growing up, and I would just sit on the porch, and I would rent them from the library and just read through all of them. But I also loved the... 1980s movies uh, yes, as well. The Canadian films. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. the ones that came in two VHS because they yeah. wouldn't fit on one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have very good memories because uh, my older sister is 10 and a half years older than me and she's 14 years older than Molly. Uh, my younger sister who has been on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and so because there was such a big age gap, there was not a ton that we did together, um, but we would watch those movies and we would lay on the living room floor and we would color together mm-hmm. while watching Anne of Green Gables. Um, so I have very fond memories. It's very, it's very relaxing to me. The story is so familiar because I've read it so many different times. Yeah. What is it that, um, I don't know why this leapt into my brain, but what is it that, uh, Anne and, uh. What's her friend's name? Diana. Diana. What, it's your mom's name. Yeah. Well. Well. What? What are like? How do they refer to themselves as kindred, kindred spirits. spirits? That's right. Yes. Did you feel? Did you feel that sort of kindred spirit bond to Anne? Yes, and that's yeah. why I used to call my friends growing up. Je- you know, my friend Jess and I we still refer to each other as kindred spirits. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think it's the combination of. Anne's creativity and stubbornness that maybe <laughs> I identify with. Um, I don't know. I just always enjoyed. Uh, and there, I mean, in the 90s, there weren't that many. At least I wasn't exposed to a ton of strong female leads. Mm. And there were things that. I mean, I guess if you were, it was something like Clarissa explains it all, which I wasn't allowed to watch. Yeah. <laughs> or, or for you younger folks, Hillary Duff in your Lizzie McGuire's. Maybe. Uh, but anyway, that's very. I don't know. Secret World of Alex Mack. There's another one for oh, you. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I also loved characters that were smart, because mm. I was always more book smart. Mm-hmm. I wasn't super awkward, but I also wasn't like very What's outgoing. Like? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So I always enjoyed things with strong, smart women in yeah. them. Because Anne became a teacher later on in the books. And, right. You know, she pursued schooling. Um, Certainly, but she was she was also intelligent younger. And I think mm. that's what I liked, is that she was still smart even though she was a kid. And even though she was... But also perfectly willing to break a uh, chalkboard slate over a boy's head. Yeah. yeah. Gilbert Blythe. Call him, call him carrots. Um, yeah, I... I uh, my first exposure to the story was seeing the musical production of it hmm. uh, at my uh, alma mater at Houghton. Houghton Academy, actually, because they didn't allow like an actual theater to be put in the chapel because... I don't know. Blasphemous. I don't know. Who cares? <laughs> um, but We no longer speak of such things. Eh, it's fine. That's fine. I had good professors. Um, <laughs> but and, and good friends. And I met my wife because of that. So, you know, that, that was good. That don't was make good. people think I went to Houghton. You didn't go to Houghton. You went to Anderson, <laughs> which, let's be honest, isn't that far removed from Houghton in a lot of ways. Just Houghton, but flatter. Yeah, we had we, <laughs> and 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 closer to a metropolis. Oh, wow. We had a walkout protest of the drinking rules yeah, on right, campus. Right. That would have yeah. never happened at Houghton. It might have happened at Houghton. I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> uh, cer- certainly wouldn't have gone happened without uh, severe consequences. Um, anyways, but yeah, that that was my first exposure to it. And really, that's not really the best way to experience that story. First, the songs aren't really that great. Um, uh, in, in that, but, uh, but it still struck me and the character mm. of Anne is very unique in a lot of literature in that, um, you know, she's kind of strong, but she doesn't take it as far as Pippi Longstocking does, mm. you know, where Pippi Longstocking kind of becomes an alien creature by the mid- midway through that book. She doesn't seem really human. Um, and that never happens to Anne. Um, she I sort of it's... takes the, uh, the flowery Victorianness of the era of the late 1890s, early 1900s to its sort of logical conclusions of like being so much so that all the other adults don't quite know what to do with it. And they don't really, they don't really know how to handle it. They don't know how to talk to her or in the case of, um, or in the case of, uh, Matthew Cuthbert, he just sort of sits there in quiet and just lets her lets her go <laughs> yeah what 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 do you do like you know if you tell her to be quiet that would just be too mean <laughs> yeah Anne green gables is a is a wonderful story not just it's for girls not just for girls yeah. i'm excited to read it to teddy someday i think he'll yeah. like it i think it's he a, will too it's a solid story yeah and episodic too. I like that mm-hmm. about about the book. Is it just sort of jumps from event to event? And did you ever read them, Andy? I didn't, and I feel like I missed out. They're, you should read they're them. They're, okay. they're really good. Yeah. L. M. Montgomery wrote them, and I really want to go to Prince Edward Island in Canada because that's where they're where it's based. Do you remember when they were written originally? In the eighteen hundreds. Are they? No, they, no, early nineteen hundreds. I thought. Uh, late eighteen. Early, yeah. Either early late 1800s 19? or early 1900s. I guess my question behind the question is, are they in the public domain? Yes. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. you mm-hmm. can get it Wonderful. on your Kindle for free and read them. Super. Yep. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sold. Yep. Uh, most <laughs> of them are in the public domain. Not like, that I wouldn't mo- have paid. Most of, most of the books are, I believe, are in the public domain. I think so. I definitely, yeah. definitely the Gables, first one. Anne of Avonlea. Mm-hmm. Anne of Avonlea. 
Anne of Avonlea, Anne of, Anne uh, of the, the island. island, Anne of a Thousand Days, right? There, um, also on know. Hoopla, there's a book that I just read recently about the landscapes in Anne of Green Gables, which sounds like it might be kind of boring, but mm. it's not. Mm. this. <laughs> it's not, because the author goes through and, and compares L.M. Montgomery's like personal journals and writings mm-hmm. and the language that she uses to describe the areas that she's in in Canada and where she grows up to the language that she uses to describe... Um, similar places in Anne of Green Gables and in the subsequent books. Mm. And she talks about like which ones are real ones and which ones are base. Where it's really interesting. Mm. But I'm sort of a. Well, I really like. I'll start with the original source material first, and then I'll <laughs> yeah. and, and then, then I'll branch can, out. And you can expand. There you go. Mary has my my uh, biography of L.M. Montgomery, so you could borrow it from her. I'll just her get it from Mary, right? When you're done with the book, sounds yeah. good. Yeah, boy. Well, thank you, Katie. Mm-hmm. Oh, for that little window into your soul. <laughs> um, Andy, for a total shift, <laughs> what's your third? I feel terrible. Kate's, Kate's was sweet <laughs> and, and, and kind and, kind and sincere, and there yeah. was depth of heart. Yeah. My, mine is just, everybody has that movie that if you're, if a friend is watching it, you will stop what you're doing and watch that movie with them. Mm-hmm. Jaws is a prime example sure. of this kind of movie. Sure, yes. that if like you, if you're walking through a room and you see your friend is watching that movie, you will forego all of the responsibility and sit down and make that movie a priority. Mm-hmm. For me, that movie, my uh, pop culture, cult, uh, my retro pop culture comfort movie is um, the 1980 classic Blues Brothers. Mm-hmm. Yay! And that is a dynamite movie, and yes. I will, I will have a physical altercation with anybody who who says otherwise it's a great Jeez. movie it's uh no it's it's just uh, the, uh, a la carrie fisher in that movie yes <laughs> oh my goodness there's i mean the it's paced so well the music is incredible um i will never get tired of hearing dan Aykroyd say that uh, he's on a mission from god a mission yes. from god i'm on a mission yeah. from god yeah jeez, louise it's just it's such a fun movie it's there's a little bit of depth of sincerity like they they are trying to raise money to save an orphanage. What yeah. is what is more wholesome than that? Yeah. But the way they go about it is just so irreverent and silly. And, yes. and it's just... It's one of the most roundabout ways to raise money for an orphanage. It is. And uh, man, oh man, is it fun. I love yeah. that movie so much. I can't wait until my kids are old enough that I can, I can watch yeah. it with them because it, I mean, obviously there's... A fair amount of cursing and drinking. And oh, that, that scene with the with the penguin. Yes, in the beginning, which is oh, just smacking him back and forth with the ruler till it breaks. And, and if oh, anybody was me. anybody in yeah. music in the sixties and seventies, they are in that. Oh movie. yeah, yeah. And, and some even further back than that. Yeah. Cab Calloway's in that movie. Yes, he is. Yeah. Oh man, I love Cab Calloway, Mister Heidi Ho himself. Yes. Um, Aretha Franklin does a terrific number. Yes. Oh boy, Ray Charles is Ray in there. Charles <laughs> lighting it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Brown is a preacher. It's yep. it just goes on and, and on. John Candy, yeah, John Candy <laughs> is the sheriff. Uh, Steven Spielberg makes a cameo towards oh. the very end of the film. Frank Oz makes a cameo. Frank Oz, uh, Fozzie Bear himself. Yeah, yeah. And it's one, like... one unused prophylactic. <laughs> one, one soiled. <laughs> <laughs> if you fancy yourself a fan of a 
silly car crash, this movie will endlessly yes. entertain you. Oh, boy. Because it is full a of... A silly car crash. You right. better like having lots of them. Right. <laughs> if you... It's one of those jokes. I feel like this is one of the, the earliest examples of a joke that's like funny and then carried on so long that it stops being funny and then is carried on so much longer than that that it goes loops around and is funny again. Yes. Those are the car crashes. It's just one of the earliest examples of that kind of comedy, I right. think. Um, oh, but I, I, I don't have an emotional connection to it. I just I can't help but appreciate what a fantastic movie that is. Yeah. Uh, do not watch the sequel. No. I'm, no. Be- I'm begging you on bended knee. Do not watch the sequel. Yeah. <laughs> on bended knee. On bended knee. I will get down on my knees and beg you the way that uh, Jake does in front of uh, uh, in front of Carrie Fisher at the very end. Yeah. <laughs> as he begs for his life. Um, don't, yeah. watch, don't watch the, the sequel. Yeah. But man, man, is that a fun movie. And uh, and the Blues Brothers band is full of really good musicians. Donald are. Duck Dunn, uh, Matt Guitar Murphy. Yep. Man, it's 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 just loaded to the gills with terrific music. You'll be tapping your toes all throughout. You'll want to buy music. You'll want to buy albums from all the musicians who are in it. Yes. Mm-hmm. If, no, if nothing else, yeah. people who collect vinyl should have a copy of the Blues Brothers soundtrack. Yeah. Oh, it's so solid. I even as it's it because so I I started watching this movie probably at five or six. We we watched it as which kids. I I love that. Also, I will not let my five year old watch that movie. <laughs> you could record. Well, I guess it's not on TV as often as it was in the eighties and nineties. Sure. Because you could always. Re- I think we had it on Betamax recorded on TV too. Um, yeah. But I always loved the song "She Caught the Katie" because oh, it had yeah. my name in it. So yeah. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I remember being like, you yeah. know, seven yeah. and loving that song. Sure. Or I love like this. There's even just the one scene where they get in the car, and uh, I think it's when the police first start their chase, and they just pop Sam and Dave into the eight track, and they're just rocking out. Uh, just so many great, even just needle drop tracks that are great. In that movie. Mm-hmm. I love when oh. they drive through the mall and the jewel and everything. And <laughs> oh, just, yeah. Like, it's also super Chicago. Like, yeah. You oh, see yeah. signs for, like, D- the Dan Ryan. Yeah. Um, you know, Mayor Daly, the old Mayor, Mayor Daly. You know, you see signs for him everywhere. You see, you know, like, Midwestern um, grocery stores like Jewel. Yep. Uh, in fact, that, that mall was the Dixie Square Mall, uh, which had just gone defunct, but was still, you know... It still had like all its stuff in it, so it only recently closed. So they were just like, "Hey, can we uh, drive some cars in this? Can we destroy this place?" <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, I mean, one of the big climactic car chases is you know underneath underneath the L, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, they they just use uh, they use all of, of Chicago's uniqueness to its benefit even, even he's to the locked point, up in joliet yeah he's locked yeah. up in joliet <laughs> yeah. um they reference the 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 nazis of skokie illinois, <laughs> illinois i hate nazis. illinois nazis <laughs> yeah. which um, is such a funny line in that movie yeah <laughs> it's not that funny anymore no, no. because yeah. back then it was such a weird it was such a weird thing that there would still be nazis like, and, what yeah like, illinois yeah. nazis yeah that's, that's nazis, absurdly funny nazis are still a thing that exists yeah, yeah, they do. Um, I, and I really like the scene where they go play at the at that bar, and uh, they ask him, "Well, what kind of music do you guys have here?" Oh, we have both kinds, country, country and, and western, western, which <laughs> hit me especially funny because my mom's side of the family, growing up, yeah. they believed that they believed yeah. that those were the only two kinds oh of music. My gosh. Yeah. Um, and so when I heard that, I just um, it reminded me of uh, my grandparents on my mom's side of the family yeah. and, just, and the music they listened to, and 
and it and then it just hit me it hit my man. it hit my ear and I I, yeah. I I still think that's to personally it's one of the funnier lines yeah them doing uh, rawhide rawhide yeah. <laughs> rawhide stand by your man <laughs> and for some reason like uh, um not not Jake. Um, Elwood. Elwood. El- no, no, it is Jake. Yeah, it is Jake. Jake, yeah. Jake, Jake finds the the whip from somewhere. He just starts whipping it with it. It's they have the chicken wire up for the. Yeah. Oh, I, they just nail the tone of those kinds of places too so well. Oh. Uh, I've said to my wife that if we had like when we we when my son was born, I wanted to name him Elwood. Yeah, <laughs> because of the blues bros. But also, my wife has her grandfather's name was Elwood. <gasps> oh my god! You have Elwood the Ulysses. Elwood Ulysses Parks. <laughs> Oh my goodness! See, now you have to have another kid. It's perfect. So, but she refused. She's like, "No, no son of mine will be named Elwood." Why? And I and I told her, "You're making a you're making a big mistake. You're missing it. You're an opportunity here." Find Aaron Parks on Twitter. And, <laughs> yes, but you did name your son Will, so I could get him a Willie Nelson onesie when he was born. Yeah, so. perfect. Yeah. It's yes. true. So it's I'm true. fine with it. Yes. But, Jeez, uh, we'll just have to do a whole podcast on the Blues Brothers at some point. Maybe a mini one or something. Oh, like that. I would. Another time when we're kind of strapped for uh, strapped for a topic. I could we'll talk about the Blues, the Blues Brothers. Brothers for hours, forever. Yeah. Um, Honestly, I don't know if this is something you would ever do. Yeah. And I'm just throwing this out there and putting you on the spot. Uh-huh. You can edit this out if you hate it. Okay. I would love to record a commentary track for that movie. <gasps> That's a great Ooh. idea. That we could that we could release and say, "Hey, start the movie now, and we will give you commentary for that movie." Oh, that's a great I idea. I want to do it. Uh, I love that. that movie. I would, I would do, do that absolutely. Okay, so yeah, that's coming, a great idea. Coming we, we soon. Could, we could do it for a um, like a little uh, gimme for the uh, Patreon for the Geekiverse. The Geekiverse does Patreon. Yeah. It'd be a great bonus episode to throw out there. And then fun. down the line, yeah. I would I would personally shell out money to to hear your commentary of the Thirty Three King Kong. <laughs> I adore that movie so much. Uh, I've, so, I've read books about it. And I've oh, so, yes, you know I, a ton about it. I do a ridiculous I amount, do. and mm-hmm. you're already yes. corrupting our son to love it. Yep, mm-hmm. that's right. We watched it on laserdisc. Even <laughs> I know how ridiculous. <laughs> Anyways, how very Nate Lockhart that yes. you sat in here and watched King Kong 1933 on laserdisc with uh-huh. our four-year-old. That's uh-huh. so on brand. Yep, <laughs> the very first Criterion release. <laughs> So connection. Very first film commentary was on that. Was on that laser disc. Connection between one of my former podcasts on here uh-huh. and the Blues Brothers, um, the head Illinois Nazi, the old guy with the yeah. gray hair. He was in Luck of the Irish. Yes. The Disney Channel original movie. Yes. He played the grandfather in that movie. Yes, I remember watching that, and you and I were both like, that guy looks so familiar. Yep, because he was that Illinois Nazi. I hate Illinois Nazi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think of that every time I see his face. Yeah. Gosh, that movie. Oh, my word. I would hate to be an actor and be that having having that be the role I'm remembered for, like... Both of those roles. Both of those roles. <laughs> Luckily, Irish. I was, I was actually talking to Jamie Leroy from uh, uh, fellow... Geekiverse compatriot, and I was speaking of Luck of the Irish. Just real quick tangent. But I was talking about how like I feel like I need to do one more podcast on that, and like have a bit of a crossover with this one and the Girls Who Geek, just to like help my brain distill these Disney Channel original movies because they're just so out there and they're so crazy. I can't believe. I uh, just I I feel like I need to watch them all just to like 
Because <laughs> I can't believe they existed. Yeah, hey, such four a... weeks of paternity leave so <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we can watch. Time if to you watch an... Alley Cat Strike. Yeah. <laughs> if you do another one, I beg you to talk about Brink. Yeah. I love Brink. Brink yeah. is good. good. We movie. did make Nate watch Brink. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I think that's a legit good movie. Brink. Yeah, no. A, I... a good TV movie. Yeah. I remember enjoying that as a kid, and I don't remember yeah. a lot about it other than I enjoyed it. Yeah. I had a socialist reading of it that I cut out from that episode. Because <laughs> it, it was kind of cockneyed. But anyways. Um, so mine. We're going to wrap up here, folks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, my third and final one, my dessert for this evening is uh, is Looney Tunes. Which is the old-fashioned Looney Tunes. Of course. Now, I think you guys remember that when we were kids... Looney Tunes and Mary Melody's cartoons were ubiquitous. Mm-hmm. Like, they were everywhere. Sure. I think at one point, they must have been at least on five different channels. Because you could watch them on TBS, on TNT, on Fox, on Cartoon Network, and Nickelodeon. There were five different channels you could watch Looney Tunes on. I didn't have cable growing up, yeah. but I remember they were on, it was on Saturday morning cartoons, it was at the end after all the new cartoons aired, mm. close ABC to, ABC would do it, ABC yeah. would air something called the Bugs There's Bunny and Tweety one. show, yep. mm-hmm. yeah, yes, that's right, so that, that's that. where I was watching them, the Bugs Bunny and Tweety show, yeah, I remember that, and they would show all, like all the later ones, like the 1950s ones, that the other ones wouldn't show, right, and the thing is, it's like every, every network had their own, like, package of cartoons that they could show from different eras and it was just kind of crazy but did the bugs like, bunny and tweety show have them with like top hats yes that was yeah. Overture, curtain yeah lights yeah yeah this is it we'll the hit the heights i think we had yeah. that on betamax yeah probably yeah they also released some old episodes of the of um the bugs bunny show which is what that theme song was from mm. which was yeah. a 60s show that repackaged these with rapping animations but um, I watched them in black and white, but that's probably because it was our black and white machine. TV. Yeah, that, mm. That's how a lot of those episodes of the Bugs Bunny show exist, actually, from the 60s. Uh, only in black and white prints. The color ones have gone missing for a lot of the episodes. Um, that's sort of uh, animation historian Jerry Beck. That's that's like it, it's made it his pet. He's made it his pet mission to find all the color copies of the Bugs Bunny show. Hmm. Um, anyways, uh, but yeah, I mean. I just grew up watching those a lot, uh, and those were one of the things that I watched that my mom also like, liked. Uh, my mom does not like most children's programming. No. Uh, when I was growing up, she hated cartoons because that's all I ever wanted to watch. Uh, I thought anything that was live action was dull and boring, and I didn't want to see it. I, that attitude did not change until I think I was 9 or 10, and it took very cartoonish live action to change my mind like the Munsters is what mm-hmm. you know which might as well be a cartoon right um but uh or all that all that I loved but that's yeah, basically a cartoon which is coming um, back by the way I know which is, is good kids deserve a good sketch show kid uh you know that's how I that's how I uh, came to know sketch comedy was through all that um and Roundhouse anybody remember that oh yeah or uh or what was the other one? Uh, you can't do that on television. Yes. Um, but Nickelodeon, everybody. Um, but these things were just on all the time. And, and so I, I got used to watching them. I, I think the package that I remember watching the most of is the one that Turner owned. So the one that TBS, TNT, and Cartoon Network would show. And these, these were the cartoons from the late 30s and 40s. 
So these were the cartoons animated by Bob Clampett, uh, early Frizz Freeling, Tex Avery, things like that. Um, and I just watched them over and over again. And I never really even laughed that much when I watched them. I laugh at them now. <laughs> I think they're funny. I think they're really funny now, but I just watched them back then. I think because I liked the animation and I liked the music, um, Carl Stallings' background music. I there was just something so comforting about them even back then. I think part of the fact that my mom, that my mom actually enjoyed them as well had something to do with it. Speaking of which, my mom she met Mel Blank back in the day. Really? Yeah. Apparently, he came to give a talk at West Virginia Wesleyan, and uh, he went up. She went up to him and said, "I just um, Mel, I, Mr. Blank, I have to tell you, I just I love Bugs Bunny." And and Mel was like. Yeah, most people like Bugs Bunny. <laughs> <laughs> that's on, that's, uh, fair. that's Yeah, fair. but uh, I, I I watched them over and over again. I would even get VHS tapes of them. Like I remember um, MGM had a series of Looney Tunes tapes that I would rent and watch, which is weird because they were on TV all the time. I don't know why I would ever need to rent a tape to watch them, but I just did. And I remember getting books from the library when I was a little kid. There was one that was called, I think, Bugs Bunny, 50 Years and Only One Gray Hair, which shows how old I am because Bugs Bunny was only 50 years old when I got <laughs> that book. Now he is close to 80. Um, but uh, I remember getting that book and just pouring over all the... They had all the uh, scans of the lobby cards from when those shorts were originally in theaters. And I remember pouring over those old lobby cards and memorizing mm. dates from when cartoons came out. Wow. and things like that and that's how I got to know all the directors was when I was seven years old reading this book about the history of Bugs Bunny and Warner Brothers animation um I just yeah and I loved them and uh, I still love them to this day I I watch them frequently in fact talking about it right now just makes me want to watch those cartoons I I have over here in, in the game room I have a, a box of laser discs and some of those are the, the Looney Tunes Golden Collections, oh, wow. which are pulled directly from those Turner libraries. So that's only what they had. So I can kind of recreate for myself, um, you know, Bugs Bunny on TNT. <laughs> like, and uh, it's, um, those cartoons are great. Jeez, uh, Easter eggs. What an Easter egg. What an Easter egg. You remember that one? And uh, with a little kid and... There's so much gunplay in those cartoons. There really is. <laughs> yeah. Um, things I didn't get as a kid. The suicide jokes. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, there's a lot of those. Mm -hmm. um, the there's some uh, there's you know so there's there's some jokes in there that that aren't that haven't aged super well. Right. Um, I I think I remember watching the one where Witch Hazel at the end she turns into like a voluptuous girl bunny. And she walks off with Bugs Bunny at the end, and Bugs looks at the camera and says, After all, aren't they all witches inside? <laughs> As he walks off the screen. <laughs> and, and, Katie, and Katie saw that and was like, Oh, no. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's because Nate will watch them with Teddy. So it's yeah. like some of the episodes, yeah, you can't it, watch at all. Yeah, right, you have to, you yeah. have to pick and then And then some of them you can, but then you have to stop it and be like, this is not okay, and this is why. Yeah, yeah you have to yeah. pick and choose. This and, and when a joke does come up that is that is off color, like I have to, I'll, I'll explain to Teddy. Like this, it, it wasn't okay then. It's not okay now. This is what they did back then. Right. And, you know, you, you just hope that if they were around today that they would regret those choices. Right. Um, 
many ways. But to yeah. a certain extent, it's important to remember that that they were we there and that, that it happened. Right. Yeah. Like <laughs> you, you know that people you shouldn't did shouldn't erase it either. Yeah. To sterilize yeah. the past is not uh, yeah. not to anybody's benefit. No. Well, I mean, that's. I mean, at the beginning of the the Warner, when Warner Brothers releases those cartoons uncut today, they have a little disclaimer at, at the beginning of the DVD, and I think it perfectly nails the sentiment, which is they were wrong then, they're wrong today. At the same time, we can't just get rid of that because it, it is what it is, you know. It would be it would be wrong to remove it, right? Um, and in some cases, like in the volume three of the Looney Tunes Golden Collection, you have Whoopi Goldberg. Tell it like explaining to you, no, it's okay to like these cartoons <laughs> because um, some of them are just downright racist. Yeah, some of them are. Some yeah. of them are. Uh, those are most of those are unavailable. Most of those are locked away in vaults and you can't see them, um, which is good. The general public should not have th- those. Should not be available for general entertainment. Yes, it should be available for research, but sure and acknowledge that they <laughs> yeah. existed. So we're yes. again not ignoring the yeah. past, but maybe don't watch them every day. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Maybe that's not how you get your not, yucks. They're not, they're right. not general entertainment. That's not mm-hmm. what they're for. Not today. Um, but anyways, yeah, I love those old Looney Tunes. Um, they're wonderful. They're great cartoons. Seek them out. Uh, I like Elmer Fudd ones. Those are my oh, favorite. Those are, those are wonderful. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> uh, especially like the ones where he's just sort of aloof. <laughs> he's not really aggressive. He's just kind of... He doesn't really know what he's doing. He's like a, a child with a gun. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so that about wraps up this edition of the podcast. Uh, Andy, tell us where we can find you online. Should we wish to? I am on Twitter mm-hmm. at the Andy Parks, mm-hmm. T H E Andy Parks, with an underscore at the end of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. The Andy Parks underscore. Yep. Uh, Katie, where can we find you? Hmm. I have Twitter. And it's lock underscore, underscore Kate underscore heart H A R T. It's my first name in the middle of my last name. And I am at Nate underscore Lockhart. Is that right? Anyway, yeah. there's going to be a link to it in the show notes, anyways, uh, for all of our Twitters. I'm also on Instagram at Nathaniel.Lockhart. Can you believe it? <laughs> I mostly just post pictures of old tech and occasionally my son and occasionally Katie. It's, you know, there's not, really there's not a lot happening on the Instagram. Don't bother. Um, But I did, uh, you can also see the cool other stuff that I've done in the Geekiverse. I mentioned uh, earlier that I did an interview with the the man who invented the Pong on a chip. That was so popular in the late 70s, uh, mid to late 70s. Um, you can see that on the Geekiverse. Uh, you can go to the Geekiverse for lots of things. But by this point, you'll have already heard a plug for all of that. So thank you again for joining us, for listening t- to this podcast. Please tell your friends. Uh, something about a five-star review on iTunes or something. I don't know. I don't know. Just And tell me about it. Give me some good feedback. Tell me you like it. Tell me you don't like it. Tell me something. <laughs> um, did you want to say something, Katie? No. Okay, you were just looking at me like you want to say something. I didn't mean to, sorry. All right, well, without having been said, thank you very much for listening, and we will get back to you again in a couple weeks. We love you. Bye. 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 Bye.